Hi everyone, this is Diva from Blood Hunter and you're listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. <clears throat> Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast. I am your host for the night, Blake Mossy. This is a podcast all about metal music. Some episodes we will revisit a classic metal album and we will also have some interviews, guests and more coming up as we grow our podcast. I myself have been involved in a metal webzine for many years. Our current website is just two years old and we're continuing to grow and add writers. And this is just our second episode of the podcast. You can find our website at www.themetalpit.org. And we are on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And also on YouTube at The Metal Pit 666. Tonight on the podcast, I have with me a longtime friend and fellow metalhead, Eric. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm from Virginia. Blake and I have known each other for, gosh, was it 19, I mean, well, 1999, we actually uh, ended up hanging out. I came up to visit him in Canada, and we caught uh, Iron Maiden, Bruce Dickinson, and Adrian Smith had just rejoined the band, and we caught them at Massey Hall. What a show. What'd you think, Blake? That was awesome. It was great, except Adrian Smith didn't show up because his dad passed away, actually, at that mm. time. You remember that? I don't know. You <laughs> You are yeah, correct. That was, it was great that, that seeing was them in a, such a small place as Massey Hall. It was an awesome concert. No doubt. Before we get to the album that we're going to talk about today, I wanted to mention a few kind of news items, metal news items. Last, Our first podcast was about Metallica, but we failed to talk about this. So Metallica has a new album coming out April 14th called 72 Seasons. There will be 12 tracks and it will measure at 77 minutes long. And they're going on a massive tour where they'll be playing two shows in each city with a different set list each night. Eric, have you heard these two new Metallica songs and what do you think? Yes, I've heard both of them. And I like I like uh, Lux Eterna. That's very cool. Um, the Screaming Suicides, yeah, it's it's okay, but I do need to give them some more spins. Uh, what did you think about them, Blake? Well, I, when I first heard Lux Eterna, I loved it. It felt like it was like old style or maybe kind of sound like some of those covers they did of like punk bands because it was just fast mm -hmm. and short. And I really love that one. Screaming Suicide, I haven't really listened to it a lot. I just listened to it before this podcast. And it's an okay song. But yeah, I do like the faster Luxie Turner better. Now, I, unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to see them on this tour since they're not coming to Toronto. But it would be an amazing time to get to see two full set, different set lists on two different nights. Man, you're right about that. Yeah, unfortunately, they're not coming to Virginia or even near Virginia, so I'm, I'm out of luck, too. Oh, well, we can. Oh, we could go see Guns N' Roses on tour as they have come back. And I don't know when they've made a new music 20 years ago. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I have seen Guns N' Roses twice in concert, actually, before. Once was opening up for Iron Maiden on the Seventh Son with Seventh Son tour. And I remember Axel being really mad that nobody was standing up for Guns N' Roses and they were just there to see Iron Maiden and that didn't make them very happy. <laughs> and then I seen, I can't remember the year, but it was a Use Your Illusion tour and they had Metallica as special guests 
And Faith No More actually also opened up. And I love Faith No More. And I love Metallica. And I left early from Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Guns N' Roses. I wanted to see the uh, GNR and Metallica show. That's one of the few rock metal shows back then that I did not catch. Um, I heard great things about Metallica. I heard pretty good things about GNR, except that uh, somehow Axel was, he was throwing one of his uh, usual fits, I guess. And they were throwing beer quite a bit and uh, they were getting flashed <laughs> by uh, some of the female fans. But um, yeah, I've never seen GNR. I liked them back in the day. I can't say I really listen to them much at all these days. Well, I, did, I didn't mind the Easier Illusion albums. I like some of the mm -hmm. songs. But I really did mm -hmm. go to the concert to see Faith No More and Metallica. And I just left during the encore. They didn't leave that early on Guns N' Roses. They just left during <laughs> the encore so I could beat the traffic. But there was a big, long break between Metallica and Guns N' Roses. And I think that was probably just Axel saying, we're the best, so let's make them wait longer. I don't know, maybe not. But <laughs> that's what That happened at RFK. Yep, that happened at RFK also. There was... Uh, I know a couple of friends had seen the show and it was like a two hour gap. You know, there were some pretty upset people, a lot of drunken people, but some very ticked off people too. But anyway, yeah, I don't think I'll be going to see them, but I know there's a lot of people that are excited about it. So hopefully mm -hmm. it goes off well for them. Yeah. Have you been listening to any new music lately? Eric? Uh, I have, I have. Um, yeah. I, you know, Spotify has been uh, offering quite a bit. Um, I've got to say the uh, Catatonia really is, has grabbed my attention. Their latest, the Sky Moves, or pardon me, um, Sky Devoid of Stars is a pretty phenomenal album. And I will have a review coming up uh, next month for you on this website. How about you, Blake? What have you been listening to? Anything new? Well, first of all, Catatonia, I'm actually not even familiar with them. So I'll have to check them out or maybe I'll wait for your review first. <laughs> and then you I'll should, check man, them out. Amazing. <laughs> I haven't listened to, let's see, the symphonic metal band uh, Exandria has a new album out called The Wonders Still Awaiting. It was just released a few weeks ago, I believe, and this is symphonic metal with the female vocals, and it's pretty impressive. Now, I'm not much of a symphonic metal fan, but it's a pretty impressive album, and they're going on tour with Delane in Europe in April, so... Hopefully we'll get the lead singer on for an interview sometime on the website or maybe even on the podcast. Oh, yes. The album we're going to do today is we're going for a prog metal classic today. And we're going to talk about Dream Theater's album Images and Words, which was released in July 1992. It was their second album, second studio album, and the first for singer James Labrie and who has remained in the band ever since. The band formed in 1985, and in 2021, they released their 15th studio album, A View from the Top of the World. They have also released nine live albums and many bootleg live recordings as well. Images was the, oh, crap. <laughs> okay. So we got, yes, as I said, James Labrie on vocals. We have John Petrucci on guitar and John Mayung on bass. Both of them have been in the band since its inception. And on this Images and Words album, Kevin Moore was on the keyboards and Mike Portney was on the drums, both who are not in the band anymore. Eric, when did you first hear this album or discover Dream Theater in the first place? 
So I actually heard what I later found out was pull me under in the summer of 1992. I was with uh, my girlfriend at the time. We had just pulled up to her parents' place. And I told her that I had to hear the name of the band. I, they hadn't announced it. The song was already playing. I told her, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd see her inside. She said, fine. I kept listening. I was like, wow, this is some pretty intricate music. I like it. It's got an edge, but the melodies are there. Um, and I later found out, you know, after I listened to the song, it was Dream Theater, Pull Me Under. And I bought it. I bought the CD the day it came out. How about you, Blake? When did you hear about them? Now, I don't know. I can't really, <clears throat> I can't really remember the year. I mean, I'm sure it was probably 1992 because I did. I remember seeing Pull Me Under video on Much Music, which is Canada's version of MTV or was Canada's version of MTV. I guess they, MTV still exists, but they don't really play music videos. But that's when I first I seen the video. And as soon as I seen the video, I knew I had to go buy this. So I but I can't recall whether it was already out or if it was coming out, but but it's the same song for me. This is how I was introduced to the band as well. So we're going to start talking about the album and we're trying to go song by song. Uh, let's see. So we, of course, we start off with a song we were just talking about, Pull Me Under. And this was actually the only top 10 hit the band has ever had. And it had heavy, as I just said, heavy rotation on MTV and much music from Canada. And it's to me, it's kind of it reminds me of like uh, it's like Dream Theater's Enter Sandman because it's it just has a, the heavy riffs and the great guitar melodies in the song, and it just sounds like a song that could almost be on Metallica's Black album the way it is. And it's just an awesome first song, and it's not short, so it is surprising how it made it into the top ten hit category. What do you think of the song? I already know, but go. <laughs> Yeah, Pull Me Under is definitely one of those songs that just, uh, it, it hit me like like you. I mean, immediately I said, gosh, this this is something special. I've never heard anything quite like this band before. Um, the song, yeah, they pushed, you know, it was over seven minutes long. Um, the intro was really very different, um, especially for a band that used distortion, you know, uh, a, a rock slash metal band. Um, it, they really used, um, you know, some clean guitar parts with some uh, guitar presets, like a chorus, a delay. And uh, I love the way it built up and it got heavy. The choruses were memorable. Uh, to me, it's like an anthem. So I can, I can kind of see where you're coming from with the Sandman comparison. Um, it's very musical, uh, very intricate. Uh, yet again, I mean, the choruses have a great hook to it and Petrucci's palm muting and just this technique is, is Pretty impressive. Um, the whole band did a great job. Okay, the second song is Another Day. What did you think of this song, Eric? I've got to say with Another Day, for the second track on the album, it was a very risky move to follow up after, you know, such a crunchy song, uh, Pull Me Under. Um, i got to say that DT have been risk takers um, since their majesty days. Uh, the saxophone solo was unexpected, but it fits the song perfectly. I uh, really feel like uh, Labrie's vocals shine on this song throughout. Uh, he hits some absurdly high notes while carrying the choruses with melodic flair. How about you? What did you think about Another Day? Well, this, uh, 
Well, actually, this is probably my least favorite song because I'm not much of a ballad kind of guy, even though I like the I like the heavy kind of piano bits in it. And James LeBree's vocals are great, so I can tolerate it. But I guess just it's just my least favorite song on the album. But this was actually this song was wrote by John Petrucci about his father, who was diagnosed with cancer. So it's kind of a deep song for him. But also, another thing I want to mention here about Eric here, as I was going to say, as you can probably tell, he's a guitar player <laughs> and he knows music a lot better than I do. And he's also a music teacher. So, of course, he knows more about all the guitar playing and that kind of thing more than I do. So that's why some of his answers will be more musical than my answers about the songs. So anyway, but yes, another day, probably not my favorite, but still a good song. It's just not. I like the heavier stuff better. So that's just me, of course. Then we get into Take the Time. This is the third longest song on the album at eight minutes and 21 seconds long. And I find Dream Theater is very hard. It's hard to describe a song to someone who doesn't know them because they're always taint changing tempos and they have long musical interludes and solos. And they have this song has so many different elements like jazz elements and blues and even some pop moments and and long keyboard solos also from Kevin Moore. What did you think of this song? Well, Blake, I got to say, you kind of stole my thunder there. You, are you <laughs> sure you're not like a guitar player in disguise? Because there's the first thing I thought of is I was like, you know, boy, you can hear some of the jazz fusiony elements in there, a little bit of funk, obviously, you know, rock, progressive music. But um, I thought it was a really cool song. I, I, I like it. The chorus is excellent, um, as you'll find on the whole album uh, with LaBrie's vocals. Um, Portnoy, Portnoy really shines, I feel like, on this song. Um, you know, the uh, guitar solo, I learned part of it at one point, and uh, there's there's some pretty nice uh, pentatonic licks that he runs in there. Um, but I think overall, the song is excellent. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty strong song, honestly. I, I think it might be, you know what, I think it might be one of the more underrated tunes from the earlier, probably the first three albums. It's one of the more underrated songs, in my opinion. Yes. And then we got Surrounded. So what do you think of this? I guess I'll call it a ballad. What do you think of this song? Well, you know, I, I, I'm thinking congratulations, Eric. You got another ballad to talk about. So, um, so you know, all seriousness, this song begins with some soft arpeggios played by Kevin Moore um, on the piano. It's, it's really nice. Um, obviously, it shows another side of Dream Theater. Uh, they really are all of you know musical virtuosos. Um, the song is arguably the most melodic on images and words. Um, the verses are pretty soft. Um, the first lead commences with the rest of the band, which is very effective. Um, later on, it goes into this pretty cool double time section that really wouldn't be out of place on a Rush or a Yes album. So you can hear some of the earlier progressive elements. Um, over the years, uh, this song has really grown on me live. Uh, the slow piano at the end with James almost whispering puts a bow on Surrounded. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on Surrounded, Blake? I know you're not the biggest ballad guy. 
Yes, I'm not, as I said, yeah, I'm not the biggest ballad guy, but I actually like this song. Like, it kind of even moves me a little bit when I listen to it. Like, if you got the headphones on and Labrie's vocals are beautiful in it, and I love the kind of the hauntingly piano parts in it. It's, it's for, like, for me, for ballads, I guess it's one of my favorite metal ballads, since I'm not really a big fan of ballads, but yes, I love this song. And then this leads us to, well, I guess this would be my favorite song on the album, I think. Metropolis Part 1, The Miracle and the Sleeper. Another short one at 9 minutes and 32 seconds. And definitely, I think, probably one of the uh, Dream Theater classics, like fans' favorites, I would think, anyway, at least for me. Really a song that defines Dream Theater, really, with... I mean, a lot of their songs have tempo changes, but this is really one. If you want to tell somebody what Dream Theater is, you play them this song and say, this is them in a nutshell. What do you think of this one? Yeah, Metropolis uh, Part One, uh, you know, The Miracle and the Sleeper is a masterpiece. All of your hardcore longtime Dream Theater fans are going to put this one either at the top or certainly in their top five or top ten. Um, it's it's got all the dream theater elements and really as you stated um, there's melody uh, there's you know there's that heavy edge uh, you've got keyboard solos you've got guitar solos uh, shoot even I mean Portnoy is doing basically drum solos as Kevin Moore's absolutely shredding um, yes you were spot on Blake about the key changes and tempo changes uh, there are many throughout um, yeah, this is, this is a gem of a song. Uh, I've really never heard anybody else match this song. Uh, maybe there are other bands that have pr performed maybe something as technical, but uh, it's a very musical piece um, and they show their talent, but again, it retains melody. So Metropolis, uh, it's funny, I've never thought about it, but I would probably have to say that would be my number one. Pull Me Under and Learning to Live are right up there as well. But yeah, nice yes. choice. And then we move on to Under a Glass Moon, and I'm going to look forward to hearing what you have to say about Petrucci's guitar solo in this song. Ah, uh, yes. Under a Glass Moon, now we are talking. Oh, man. the uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much, honestly, I, I wrote a book on this. Um, <laughs> you, you, might be, you might be able to hear, like, uh, you know, uh, a notepad or my, my fingers typing away. But, uh, you know, looking at it, you have the intro is just brilliant with the uh, octaves. It's a very neat and hip way to use octaves. Uh, and then you have uh, the keyboards complementing them as well. Portnoy and My Young, you know, the rhythm section, they enter and really have this nice kind of just driving syncopated uh, groove. And then uh, getting to that guitar solo. Um, you know, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can overuse the phrase fireworks, but my goodness, um, under a glass moon has one of my top it's one of my top five top three solos that petrucci or anyone has ever played um some of the techniques that he includes on this are his um you know he's now famous as alternate pickings unrivaled um in progressive really in all types of, of genres of metal music he uses legato playing which is your just hammer on hammer on and pull offs on the guitar he does sweet picking he uses the whammy bar in a few different ways, vibrato, um, very, very melodic. And I got to say, he really plays with like a dash of soul on this one. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's just the solo is, is pretty breathtaking. I, I honestly, I listened to the song twice earlier and I could have listened to the solo probably 10 more times. But yeah, it's it's a great song, man. Love, love that tune. It's got, it has some, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you'll, if you'll sign with me on this, uh, Blake, you mentioned the band earlier, but I feel like it does have a, you know, some Metallica influences with some of the rhythm playing. Um, did you hear any of that on, on uh, Under a Glass Moon? Yes, for sure I did. And I think when they do get heavy, they do sound like they could, they could play heavy. I mean, they've played like a Metallica. I think they've did Master of Puppets actually at a show before the whole album. Correct. <laughs> so they know, how, they know how to play and they, and I'm sure that some of that rubs off on them and probably on Metallica too, when they've heard early dream theater, especially. And yeah, it's always, I knew you would have something great to say about the guitar solo. For me, I was just going to say a killer guitar solo, but then uh, I could probably say that about a lot of Petrucci's solos, as he is one of the best that I've ever seen live before. Amen. And then we go to Wait for Sleep, and this is like a song, this is only a two and a half minute song, and I think it's to... Rest, every, rest all the fans up to listen to this song. It's a, another slow one, more, I like to call it haunting piano. If I don't hear haunting piano, I probably don't like it. So, so the piano playing is great and it's kind of letting the fans breathe until we get to the next song, which you'll find out what that's all about soon. But what did you think about Wait for Sleep? Wait for Sleep is one of those tunes on the CD after, um, I always like to judge a song after your first lesson because I, I feel like it's always going to be genuine. You're going to be honest with yourself, with your taste. And I was like, okay, they're slowing things down. Um, and they got that nice kind of hypnotic uh, pedal tone that Kevin Moore is doing. And it, it's pretty nice. Uh, it's musical. Um, it's almost like a seg almost. It's almost like a little like a classical kind of transition from one song to the next. But it, it's a nice song. Okay, now we go on to Learning to Live at 11 and a half minutes, the longest song on the album. And I can use overuse this word, epic, as this is another progressive metal epic by Dream Theater. Heavy guitar riffing, lengthy instrumental parts. To me, it kind of, it reminds me of listening to Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin Live, where they have these, except... Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin really did it in concert where they'd have these long musical interludes and that's kind of what Dream Theater puts on the regular songs. But it's just it's just a great way to close out a great album, I find. What did you think of this song? While Metropolis is the absolute game changer in progressive rock and metal music, Learning to Live runs through a gamut of emotions. I mean, this song just has so many great melodies by Libri. I feel like from the first two albums, this this song just is such a standout vocally. Um, he did a nice job with the lyrics, which I might touch on later. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you start a song off with a time signature of 15-8, you know that you're going to be in for quite an adventure. Um, Kevin Moore starts things off uh, with a pretty neat melody. Um, and then the band just punches in. Uh, they really punch in their time cards there at the ninth measure. And, and they really crank up the ferocity, uh, still keeping it melodic, but they use a flurry of eighth and sixteenth notes. Um, uh, I do really like. Uh, again, I probably could have wrote you know numerous pages about this song onto itself, but I like how they bring it down. They just bring the dynamics down for the verse. Uh, Labrie's vocals are able to shine, 
but gosh, uh, John Myung's uh, bass playing, that groove that he sets for the verse is just amazing. Um, he is he's absurdly underrated, um, I think, throughout the DT catalog. Um, but yeah, this tune um, goes through, gosh, it goes, it's to me, almost, I've never thought about this, and this is not scripted. I didn't have this written down. Uh, it, it reminds me of almost like a, a early pre-change of seasons type song um, where it's just, it's not very repetitive. It goes through vast arrays of emotions, key changes, tempos. It's layered. Um, uh, I don't know really any more musical song, honestly, that I can think of in progressive metal, progressive rock than Learning to Live. Um, the solo stellar. Um, you know, the, the breakdown in the middle is excellent with, uh, Portnoy and company. Um, and they really, they really, uh, build to a climax at the end of the song. The song does provide hope. So when I, uh, talked about the lyrics earlier, I really feel like it's, it's worth mentioning, uh, listening to the city whispering its violence. And it just kind of sounds like there's like some danger brewing here. I set out watching from above. Uh, you can almost picture like, you know, an, a bird like looking down on the city. The 90s bring new questions, new solutions to be found. Um, that to me could could very well parallel what we're dealing with here in the 2020s. You know, and I'm I'm certainly the last person to get political, but I think it is relevant. And then it wraps up with I fell in love to be let down with anybody can relate to with you know various relationships. But masterful lyrics. I mean, the, the song is a legit you know, Masterpiece, uh, along with Metropolis. I mean, they're two heavy hitting, Blake said it earlier, epics. They really are. Um, and what a way to close an album. Um, I, don't, I don't know, thinking right now, I don't know of any other better closer. Hallowed Be Thy Name is right there, but uh, Learning yes. to Live is one of the strongest. Yeah, without a doubt. What do you think, Blake? Yes, it is a great way to close the album. And like, it's it's such a good album. I mean, Pull Me Under is such a great way to start the album. It feels like a first song on an album when you hear it like you and it feels like the first song you would hear in the concert i'm sure it's not now it's probably one of the last ones because they've had so many albums out now but on that tour i'm sure it was the first song that they started the show with and yes it's just an it's an incredible album i have a few notes here about the album let's see the band actually wanted this to be a double it already clocks in at 57 minutes but they wanted it to be a double album but the record label didn't like that idea so they had some extra songs left over and one of those was a change of seasons which they released as an ep in 1995 and that song clocks in at 23 minutes and nine seconds if we really want to talk about epic long songs <laughs> and that is a great no song doubt. too <laughs> and let's see on their 2007 european tour many times they played images and words in its entirety and that would have been amazing to see and this album reached number 61 on the billboard top 200 charts and it still remains the band's best-selling album. And talking about seeing them live, I the last time I seen them live was when they played Scenes from a Memory in its entirety, which is a couple, it's a few years ago now, three or four years ago, I think. I remember there was a snowstorm, but I made it through the snowstorm to get to the, to the venue in Kitchener, Ontario, in a small place. And, and love that album too, which maybe that'll come up in one of our podcasts too, maybe. 
but I think I've seen Dream Theater like seven or eight times. And I I seen the open for Yes, because I had a friend that really liked Yes, and they were special guests of Yes. So I went to see, I had to sit through Yes, sorry, I just don't really like Yes. But anyway, <laughs> I got to see Dream Theater there. And it's even hard to remember all the times, but I'm sure I've seen them seven or eight times. Have you seen, I'm sure you've seen them live. I have, Blake. I've seen them. I was kind of running the numbers through my head. I want to say I've seen them 10 times. Uh, the last time I saw them also was on the uh, the last tour. I believe it was 2019, but it was, uh, they also played scenes from a memory from beginning to end. Uh, they were very loud. It was, uh, it was an excellent show, and the venue was a smaller venue uh, here in, uh, it was actually in D Washington, D.C., but it was an excellent show. Um, it would be hard for me to choose my best tour. Um, they always deliver, though. Um, I mean, there is never a letdown. They are true professionals. Um, you know, the one thing that I think of, if you want volume, I saw the Dixie Dregs open up for Dream Theater. And Dream Theater played it. They played for three and a half hours. I kid you not. Uh, I, I, I thought, I was like, well, I don't know if they did this on the whole tour. But they played one set. They did intermission. They came back, played scenes from a memory beginning to end. It was an absolute showstopper. Both sets were unbelievable. But yeah, those guys, if you've never seen them live, do yourself a favor, go see them. Um, you'll, you'll thank Blake and I. And <laughs> you'll, you'll definitely see a one-of-a-kind performance, no question. Well, I know when I saw them the last time and they were just by themselves, there was no opening band. I think I've seen them a few times like that. And I prefer that because I don't care about the opening bands. Sorry, opening bands. But <laughs> I was there to see Dream Theater. And yes, they play for like three hours. It's well worth it. I would much rather pay money to see a group that I really like instead of having to watch three other bands play before them. And then they only play for an hour and a half. So I love the way they do it. And I don't know if I'll get to see them again. So after so, we've talked about the whole album. So uh, if you're going to review this album today what would you give this album out of 10 eric this is kind of a tough one uh maybe it shouldn't be but um i i feel like um you know i couldn't help myself i did listen to the album earlier um and i gotta say you know i know mike portnoy was critical um of his of his drum sound but i still think the album overall the production the songwriting the execution um it's brilliant i still have to give it a 10 out of 10 it's it, it's it's an amazing album i love that album and i love awake the album that came right after but image and words i would say a 10 out of 10 how about you blake where, where do you rank it do you rank it that high i was just gonna also say that awake is like it's kind of like when we did the Metallica podcast, I we did Master of Puppets, but I like Ride the Lightning just a little better in Master of Puppets. But here I like Imogen Words just a little bit better than Awake, but I love Awake too. And those are my two favorite Dream Theater albums. And but really for prog metal, I don't I don't really listen to much prog metal. Dream Theater is my prog metal band of choice. <laughs> so I have all their albums except the first one, I guess. And but to rate this album, I'd I'd give it, I'll, I won't give it a 10. I'll give it a nine and a half, I guess. I'll take a half off for that one song that I said is my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, yes, still pretty it's, good though, right? Yeah. Yes, it's still a great album. And I'm sure it's their most, I'm sure if they pulled their fans, it's most likely the fans top album too. 
but yes, it was great. I think you're spot on about that. What about, do you listen to any, do you keep buying the new albums and listening to them or are you more of just going back to the old catalog? I do. I do. I keep up with them. Uh, I own every studio album by them. Uh, I've got a couple EPs by them. There was one point in time where actually I had a couple of the bootlegs, which you, you, you actually alluded to it earlier where they played puppets from beginning to end. And actually the, uh, they played the number of the beast from beginning to end. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> those are pretty ridiculous, but I'm, I'm definitely a fan of their original music. So I think they keep doing a really good job. Um, yeah. The last album, I felt like it was a little bit stiff. Um, the musicianship is there. Um, uh, they didn't, they didn't want a ballad on there. And I, you know, I, I thought it would be kind of cool without some, without a ballad, but there seems like the emotions lacking a little bit on the last album, but uh, I'll tell you what, I would be up for an album review for Awake, uh, Dramatic mm -hmm. Turn of Events, uh, Scenes from a Memory. Um, what's the yes. other one? The, uh, um, yeah, the Chaos Chaos album's pretty awesome. Um, yes, yeah, they had they, a lot of got albums gems. in a row there. Yes, I haven't really listened to I mean, I bought their last albums and gave them a few listens, but I just never really got into it. And it's when you have albums like this, I just go back and like, oh, I want to listen to images and words again or awake again or whatever. But anyway, we'll sum this up and saying, so I gave it a nine and a half. Eric gave it a 10 out of 10. It's a great album. If, if for some reason you've never heard this before, you like prog metal, make sure you check it out because they're the best prog metal band out there. If you ask me. You're right about that, Blake. I'm 110% behind you on that dream theater. They, they are like, they're still modern day progressive metal kings in my opinion yes so with that i'll thank eric for joining me on tonight's podcast hey thank you so much blake for uh let me join you man uh the metal pit rocks appreciate it blake. thank you and we'll be back with another podcast soon thanks everybody good night good night this episode is dedicated in honor of my good friend Jody Sandberg Whaler on what would have been her birthday today, February 28th. She has been gone now for eight years. She worked with me on my website for many years. She was like my sister, and I learned so much from her. And I know she would have loved being involved in this podcast. She had a great passion for metal, friends, and family got together with her many times, and the highlight was for a Maiden Halford Motorhead show in Toronto. Till we meet again, my friend.